Tonight's shir on Pesach is Le'ilu Nishmas, my father, Echil Muntian Ben, Reb Daiv, and my mother, Mindel Bas, Reb Yisrael, Mishamas Lohoman Aliyah. Learning Sefer Nesiv Shalom Chelek Beis, Inyane Pesach, page Reish Nun Zayin. How to rejuvenate ourselves and others and grow to the next level. The Nesiv Shalom, the Rebbe, the Slanam Rebbe's Chusiyagan Lein, who starts by telling us, Ki Bechipaza and Yitzasim Eretz Mitzrayim. That's what the Pasuk says. We left Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. We left Mitzrayim in a rush. We were in a rush. We were in a rush. So, what does it mean? What was the rush? So the Svarim Akhtoshim tell us, we were on the Memtes, Shari Tumah. There's only 50 levels. We were on the 49th level of Tumah, but not just the beginning of the 49th. All the way at the end. And we were about to fall, descend into Sharnun, into the 50th level of Tumah. And if we do that, it's all over. And therefore, Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim had to be bechipaza and had to be quickly. Beglal ha Because of the sakana, the danger that if we would stay a little bit more, we would fall into the 50th shar ha and then, what? We couldn't be redeemed. What does that mean, we couldn't be redeemed? Physically, Hashem couldn't take us out? What does it mean? We're going to get to understand all of that. But ask the Nesiv Shalom, and this is why I love the Sefer Nesiv Shalom. He has simple questions that every fifth grader can ask. Let's think about it. Why did Hashem wait to the last minute to start the process of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? He waited, we're all, all, all the way at the end, about to be Sharnun, and we have to rush us out of there. Why didn't he wake up a little earlier? Why didn't he start a couple of weeks earlier? Why didn't he start earlier? And this is one of the greatest lessons that we're going to learn now which we can apply to everything that we ever hear or learn or see, and that's the lesson that everything means something. There's always a reason when it's so good, it's so important to ask, so great when kids ask questions. There's always a reason. Sounds like a klotzkasha. You know, the Chazal tell us, Hashem waited till the end, and then He rescued us. Sounds like a funny question. So why did He wait till the end? Right? So some Rabbeim would say, shut up. Nudnik, stop asking so many questions. No, it's a Nesiva Shalom question. There's a reason why Hashem couldn't start when we, we were on the Mem Ches, 48th Shara Tomo, or earlier. There's a reason why this had to happen this way. What could it possibly be? So he gives an example of planting seeds. Ubir Adavar al-Derech Mashal, an example. For the Garen Hazeresh, Hazeren Ba'adama, how do you plant so today we don't really plant. We go to the store, you go to ShopRite, we go to Instacart. That's how we plant. How do you get vegetables? You order it online. But they used to, unfortunately, or now they can actually make it. It's pretty cool. But they used to be something called planting. And there was a seder hatzmicha. There's the order. You put seeds into the ground. And if you don't know what's going on underground, you think they start to grow. But for those of us who had, I believe in fourth grade, when they put the beans in the cup, and we learned about this, I think it was a fourth grade uh, level or fifth grade. That's not what happens to the seeds. First, the seeds decompose. And then, when it's almost dead, some of them die. And one of them has a little bit of a kernel of life. And this kernel of life is where all the growth, the future potential comes from. This kernel of life is referred to as the kusta de chiyusa, the kernel of life the life that's inside of that almost dead thing called the Kusta de Chiyusa. Remember that. That's why I called this year. When I texted it out, I wrote Kusta de Chiyusa. 
ורק לאחר מכן הוא מסחיל להצמיח, only afterwards does it begin to grow. והיינו, says the נשיא ושלום, let's learn from nature. לפי שלאיתי תוכן צמיחה מחודשת, you can't have a brand new growth. אלא אם קודם לא ההדר, unless whatever happened before in that previous lifetime is destroyed. בכל זמן שלא נרכב היושם, היושן, אין החודש יאכל לצמיח. And until the old isn't destroyed completely, you can't have something new. You could have a continuation, but you can't have something fresh. Fresh, new, can only happen when the previous life, when the previous existence is gone, is destroyed. On the other hand, if the seed would become completely decomposed, then we would lose the kusta duchiyusa, the kernel of life also would be gone, and then also you can't grow. So when does growth happen to create something new? It's right between these two things. When the seed is between heder v'hakiyom, between darkness and light, between being completely lost, but yet it still has the heartbeat, it still has the kusta duchiyusa. Da'aynu shekulay nirkav malvada kusta duchiyusa. When everything is destroyed, everything is ruined, Except for the Kusta Duchyusa, that is when growth happens. It says the Nesiv Shalom, just like seeds, so too is human beings. And with this, he answers the question. We were all the way sinking lower, 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 and all of the Kedusha was gone. Just over 210 years since the Shift Eikah. Since Avram Yitzchak Yaakov and the Shvatim, wasn't that long. It all went away. We were decomposing. And the only thing that was left was that last drop, that kernel of life, called Kosta Dechiyusa. And right there, Bein Aheder Lahakim, between being totally gone to being sustained, is the Zman Smichosam Amchudeshes. That's a time for a renewal, a, regro- a regrowth to be rejuvenated. That's when specifically then Hashem took us out of Mitzrayim, we became a brand new nation, the chosen nation to Hashem. And that's Pshat. Hashem took us out quickly, Dafka on purpose, specifically, before then, before that moment, He couldn't take them out. We would have been continuing to be shvach people. We wouldn't have had a regrowth, a rebirth. But also not if we hit the fiftieth. We needed to have that heartbeat, that kusta dechiyusa. What does this have to do with me and you? And that's what I love about Nesiv Shalom. He's going to make it very, very practical. We know that Chazal tell us, famous, in the schus, in the merit of our emuna, our faith, what does it mean? Faith in what? Faith in Hashem. You're going to learn something that you didn't know before. Nobody knew this that I know. I didn't know this. It's very, very rare, very fresh, and such an incredible idea. It's not what it means, but we'll see soon what it means. We were immersed in Tumah. 
We didn't have any part of Kedusha. Nothing. We were bowing to idols. Even worse than what we see today. Kids are Machal Shabbos, Nebuch, Rechman, There's tons of problems. Bowing to idols? Saying that my fortune and my life is up to this, this, this animal or this fire hydrant? Bowing to idols? Very, very bad. We changed everything about us. We gave up Brismila. And in fact, we were proud of those three little things, Leishinu Shemam, Abushal Lushainam. How low is that, that you would go from Shifte Ka? Imagine that we have the grandchild of the Gadol Adar, and he loses everything. And we say, but he didn't change his name, and he didn't change his dress. And it's taka things that, you know, that, that's something to be proud of, but not compared to being a holy Jew. Not compared to keeping all the Torah and all the mitzvahs. So we were in that situation where we had nothing. But we did have one thing, that Kostu de Chiyusa, the kernel of life, was the Shoyrish Ha'amuna Nisha Bahem, the root of faith that was still inside of us. Kedi'isa B'chesel Avram. Sh'amuna hi b'chines k'ayach hayuli, sh'i b'shoyrish nishma sisel, sh'im chayuk alakai Hashem Amoy, u'b'chines l'yeredes ha'b'chines ha'tachtoyin sh'b'nev sh'adam. N'chesel Avram in the Sefer explains, we don't just have emuna. We're not a complete product, a person, a human, and then we choose to have Amuna. No, it's more than that. Amuna is a part of our spiritual existence. It's who we are. It's baked into us. We are called believers, the children of believers, because that's who we are. And that's regardless of our intellect, thinking about it, working on ourselves. It's a piece of who we are. What does that mean? Where we come from, our nefesh comes from. That's what it says over there in the Memtesharitum. I'm sorry. In the, when, even when we're in the Memtesharitum, that we are maminim bnei maminim. And therefore, listen to how practical this is. Even even when somebody is finding, finding himself, or if we know somebody, that is in the matzav hashafel b'yoyser, low, low, low life. Umeshuka and immersed the mem teshari Immersed in tuma, And we think, ah, oh, give up on him. He's worse than a guy. He's a shegitz, a shiksa, whatever you want to call him. You should know, gam oz chai v'kayom koyach amuna b'ptim In the depth, deep inside of him, you should know that his koyach of amuna is is alive and well, the same as by anybody else. It's not something that can be touched or destroyed by our actions or by our thoughts. That is that kernel of life. And we've seen this. We've seen people come back, so to speak, from the dead, from the spiritual dead. And we say, so bad, he didn't have anything, anything left in him. He had the perfect black box that never gets destroyed. He had the perfect emuna inside of him all along. We don't have to create emuna. It's in us. It is in our DNA. Now we know what DNA is. Can you imagine years ago they didn't know what this is? Really? It's in your blood. Is, is, yeah, it's in your DNA. You are mamina b'nei maminim. You have a koyichayuli, a, a, a life force that is deep inside of you. And he's going to prove it. Every Jew, no matter what matziv they're in, no matter what sin they're doing, no matter what lifestyle they have, 
We need to know this for ourselves, and we need to know this for our families, and especially in today's generation, when you go out on the street, sometimes you say, oh, he has no connection to Judaism. He has the same shaykhis as you do. Actions on the outside, yeah, we all sin. Maybe he sins a little bit more. Maybe he sins differently. Right? We always say, like the t-shirt, don't hate me because I sin differently than you do. But the internal motherboard, so to speak, of the computer is intact. And this is the message of the burning bush. So now that we understand what did we do so far, why did Hashem have to rush us out? The answer is because, just like a seed, when does it grow? First it decomposes, and then it grows. If it would just grow, it's the same old guy. It can never become new. It's the same bad mentality, like an addict. An addict has to get rid of the old mentality. I remember in Home Sweet Home, I had boys that got clean. And they used to tell me, Avi, you have no idea outside when I walk around right near the house. You have no idea how many needles are out there, used drug needles. We don't see that because our mentality is different. So for them to change, they needed to be in a place where they would change their whole mentality. They used to tell me that they had a big taiva to open up the medicine cabinets when they would go places because maybe there's some oxycodone or some kind of uh, Percocet, and when they were using, that was a big thing. They would go through people's stuff and take some stuff to numb their pain. Nabuch, nabuch. And even when they got clean, even years later, they had to struggle with that because their brains are different than us. So what he was saying is that the seed to grow is just going to be the old seed growing. But when the seed almost gets destroyed, to the point that it has no previous life, he's a born-again Jew, He's a born-again seed. He doesn't know anything from the past. Wipe slate. Control all delete. And the only thing that's left is that is that kusta de chiyusa, that heartbeat, which he's calling the emuna, that is in, intrinsically put into our nefesh by Hashem. And if that's all that's left, then we can become an am chadash. And that's why you never give up on anybody. And he's going to prove that. And he says, and this is the whole message of the burning bush, which is so interesting. Let's talk about the story. Hashem wanted to get us out of Mitzrayim. He decided, he picked on Moshe Rabbeinu to be the shliach. How did he choose to start the story? He, he, he could have done anything. He started with a bush that was burning, but it wasn't being destroyed. He wanted to get Moshe Rabbeinu's attention. He could have had elephants floating in the air, trees turning upside down. Why would, why would he pick a bush, it's burning, but it's not getting destroyed. Says the Nesiva Shalom, and when we're going to learn this, we're going to say, wow, such a deep lesson in these words, how he looked at the story, that from this story, Moshe Rabbeinu was getting a message from Hashem that taught him everything that we just learned. We're on page two. He goes ahead, Moshe Rabbeinu, when he sees something amazing. He sees a tremendous vision. He sees a bush and it's burning. And yet, it's not being consumed. And he says, what is going on over here? Hashem sees that he went ahead to look at this and he caught his attention. 
Hashem calls out to Moshe Rabbeinu and he says, take off your shoes from your feet, ki hamakoim, the place that you are standing is admas kodesh, who is holy. Pashib Shat, you're standing in a holy place. Says the Nesiv Shalom, so much deeper, so beautiful. He makes Torah beautiful. Umashma, it seems to me from here, Shebemara Hazer, in this vision, Tomun calls Said Ashlichus. Hashem wasn't just introducing, remember, until this point, Maisha Rabbeinu was just Maisha. He was just a shepherd. Worked for his father-in-law, like a Kyle guy, except for the work part. And he was just a shepherd. And all of a sudden, he was being Mimuna, chosen to, and Hashem had to tell him everything. Says in the Siva Shalom, from this little story, Said Ashlichus, the the inside um, fundamental concept of the whole shlichus that Hashem needed from Moshe Rabbeinu was all hidden in there. How do you see that? He saw fire. He saw fire consuming a bush. That is a mushal for the kaiches that was like um, what's the word like when it's like. It's like licking at, lapping at Klal Yisrael. It's like knocking us from all sides. But yet, but the bush itself, not being destroyed. It's not burning, for, it's not being totally destroyed. But it still has its living inside of it. And Moshe says, wow, let me turn and see this. This is amazing. This is fascinating. Why? Why is the sneh, the bush, not being consumed? Pirish. What does that mean? If Klal Yisrael is dwelling in such tumah, the Meshukah in Memteshari tumah, they're bowing to idols, they gave up on, on Brismila. So, how is it possible that it didn't get totally consumed from the fire of tumah? How is it possible that there's somebody left there? The, this, you, you could see a kid outside and he's stealing and he's smoking on Shabbos and he's selling drugs and he's eating on Yom Kippur and he's doing all these Averis. And, and somebody would tell you he's going to be one day a Rosh Hashiva. You would say, how is it possible? How is it possible? We look at some Jewish kids. We say, how is it possible? Is anything good there? Moshe Rabbeinu was living in that dar. He was living in a dar where everybody was bowing to idols. Besides for the Levium. But everybody sunk. And he watched it. He watched it happen. Bowing to idols, giving up Rismila. And he wondered if they're in such tumma, in such a crazy tumma, can you imagine that, what would they say today between Facebook and Instagram and, 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 and today? Somebody, a kid in such tumma, how, how is it possible that his internal kusta de chiyusa, the kernel of life, does not get destroyed? And that's taka what happened, that Maishir Rabbeinu challenged Hashem. Hashem said, I want you to go to tell Klal Yisrael, it's time to be redeemed. And Moshe Rabbeinu said, but they're not going to believe me. What's Pasha Pshat? I love this piece. Pasha Pshat is that Moshe Rabbeinu said, I'm going to go call all the Jewish people together. They're all going to come, imagine. He's going to stand on a, on a rock, I guess, to be high up. Go to the mic, testing one, two. Is this on, right? Is this mic on? Testing one, two, three, feedback. And I'm going to tell them what happened. Guys, listen, Chavra, I just want to tell you all, men, women, and children of Kal Yisrael, today I was shepherding out 
of Mitzrayim, out, out in the wherever. And all of a sudden I saw a bush, and a bush was on fire. But it wasn't being consumed. You get it? It was on fi- really, it was on fire. But, but it wasn't being consumed. And all uncomfortable looks, you know. And then a voice came out to me, and it was Hashem. And, and, and he told me to take off my shoes. Uncomfortable looks, okay. Hide the children, bring the children. We gathered for nothing. There's nothing going on here. Go home. There's nothing. You know, they start putting out the yellow tape around the scene. Like, nothing's happening here. It's time to go home. Everybody, and they start, and he's like, no, no, really, it was on fire, but it wasn't burning, and, and, and Hashem said he's going to, okay, uh, guys, uh, Moses, maybe you have some heat stroke, what are you smoking? Got some heat stroke, guys, come, and the elders come, and they say, Moses, come with us, come with us, no, I'm not coming with you, and they carry him on the stretcher, bring him to stick in an IV, and that was what Moshe Benu was worried about, they're not going to believe me that you came to me and told me that I'm supposed to save them. That's Pashib Shat. Listen to the Nesiv Shalom Shat. Of course they're going to believe him. Of course they believe that Hashem came and spoke to him. Let's go first to the question. He's saying, Hashem, you're telling me to tell them that, that you want them? They're never going to believe me. Why? He said they're not going to believe that they who are in such a terrible place that they have anything left inside of them that would allow them to hear what he's saying and believe in themselves. He's going to say, Hashem is interested in you. They're going to say, no way. Because there's nothing left inside. Now imagine, imagine somebody starts to fall away from his family. And they have a fight. And somebody comes over and says, your parents want you. So he says, wow, great. I'm waiting to go home. I'm dying to go home. But the, the, the friction could be so bad. The friction could be so bad that some, he, they had such a fight and the father said, I'm, you're dead to me. And he says, Kaddish and all that. And when you go to the kid, there's no cost of the chiyus anymore in this relationship. And, and you go to him and say, your parents want you to come home for Pesach. And he said, nah, come on. There's no, there's no way. It's impossible. Because he doesn't believe that his parents could possibly like him or love him. So Moshe Rabbeinu challenged Hashem. What? They're not going to believe me if I would tell them that Hashem spoke to me, they would, they would believe me. But they're not going to believe me that Hashem spoke to me and said that He wants you. They're going to say it's impossible. Imagine, <coughs> imagine Friday night, a donkey pulls up, 12 o'clock at night, parks, probably going to get towed away, but the donkey pulls up and Eliyahu Anavi comes to a club in Manhattan. And he finds Jewish boys, Jewish, Jewish girls, and he says, Hashem sent me to redeem you. Eliyahu is going to say, they're not going to believe me. They're going to say, you're looking for us? No, no, no. Hashem doesn't want us. Go down West End Avenue. Take the, go to Williamsburg. Go to Borough Park. Go to Monroe. Go to, go to Lakewood. That's where Hashem is looking for. Go to Shul. Not us. That's what was happening here. Moshe Rabbeinu was worried that the damage to their self-esteem, to their Kedusha level was so great 
that the Kusta de Chiyusa that would want to come back was so burnt out, was so destroyed, that, that when I tell them Hashem wants you, they're going to say it's impossible. Hashem can't want me. There's nothing good left in me. And on that Hashem said, Shal Take your shoes off from your feet because the place which you're stelling, like in, in Yeshivish Shprach, you stell on a sugya, you're standing on a sugya. It doesn't mean physically standing. You're talking about a topic. This topic that you're talking about, my kids, Admas Kodesh. You're talking about Kodesh Kadoshim. The Yehudi and a Jew, Afim Hu Mishukal Bemem Teshari Tuma, Moisif Liskayim Boy Koyach Amuna. He still has Koyach Amuna. Sometimes they make meetings and gatherings when we get together, Rabbanim come together. What should we do about these kids? There was a meeting once I heard about a certain uh, park or a lake, whatever. They wanted to shut it down. There was too much Chil Shabbos going on. The first thing that Hashem would say if He gave us uh, Amara Hagadol, he would say, Shal no lecho mi'al raglecho. First, everyone, take shoes, your shoes off your feet. Ki hamokem ashata oimidolov. What you're stelling on now, this discussion that you're talking about, is Admas Kaidish. Muratach vegin yiddishikindolach. And even memteshari tumo. Even immersed in avaydazara. Even efeiru brismila. It doesn't matter what. You should know you're talking about heiligi yiddishikindolach. Admas Kaidishi. Talk with respect. You're not talking about bums. There's a story of a friend of mine that he was in a certain place and they were standing outside having a discussion and a bunch of what I call kips, kids in pain, went rollerblading by. A bunch of kids blasting music with different color hair and piercings. And this, not my friend, the guy that he was talking to was a big Askin in that community. Turns to my friend and he says, we got to get the garbage out of this town. Nebuch for him. He's talking about Admas Kaidishi, talking about Yiddishikindalach Kaidish Kadashim. We got to get the garbage out of this town. And my friend put his arm around him and said, My dear friend, I have two such garbages in my house. And he said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know. I didn't realize. He said, yeah, let's talk about it. Let me explain to you that they're not garbage. Admas Kodesh. And this is Taka, there's, there's so much proof to this. But one of the most amazing stories I saw in Umasaka Ar on Megillus Esther, page 263, famous story about the Nazis, Yimach Shemam, that they took all of the Yidin in the town into a shul and they squashed them together, gripped in fear, and they pretty much... They didn't know what was going to happen, but they heard that usually they burned down the shul together with the Sifritari, together with the Yidin inside of them. They were terrified, men, women, and children. After hours of waiting, the Nazis, Yemach Shumam, burst into the shul with their top Jewish informant. This was a non-religious Jewish thug, a gangster. He was Jewish, but he was not from. And he always terrorized all the Jewish people. He was a mobster, mamish like a guy. He made them pay insurance so nobody breaks their shops. And meanwhile, you know, he was the one breaking the shops. And he would terrorize religious people and extort money out of them. He was such a dangerous thug that when anyone even heard his name mentioned, they cringed in fear. 
And since the Nazis came in, he tried to earn favor in their eyes. So he was their informant. What could be worse? He would inform on Jewish activity and where people are to the Nazis Yamach Shemam. Is there any Jew that we could think is worse than this? And now here the Nazis came in with this informant. They shoved him into the shul. They had an agenda. They opened up the Aaron Kaidish. They took out a Sefer Torah. They unrolled it on the floor. And they commanded this Jew, this horrible Jew, to relieve himself on the Sefer Torah. To everyone's shock, he refused. They beat him mercilessly. And he would not shame the Torah. They beat him and beat him. And there's another version of the story that he opened up. They said, we're going to shoot you. We opened up his shirt and he said, shoot me. They shot him. They killed him right there on the spot. He died. Hashem. The next day, the rabbis decided that this holy Yid who was murdered, Al-Kiddush Hashem, should be buried, wrapped together in that same Sefer Torah that was full of his, soaked with his blood, for which he gave his life. And there are many, many stories of people who we give up on, people we think that they're too bad, and that Kosta de Chiyusa, that black box, is already destroyed. And they prove us wrong time and time again. And the message that we have to have is to believe none of us would be here if we were judged when we were in Mitzrayim, Amem Shari Tumah, by the eyes of judgment that we're judging people now, we would say, don't, don't redeem them. None of us would be alive today. None of us would be from today if Hashem looked at us in that way. Like the Maimer of Noyach from Lechavich. You have to believe that you believe. Sometimes we think inside of us, maybe I don't believe. How do I know I really believe? If I really believed, would I behave that way? So he says you have to believe that you believe. For even though, even if you feel that your emuna is damaged, you should believe, even though it looks like my, my, by, by my behavior, that my emuna is damaged, you should know, I do believe. But there's thick clouds that are blocking the Ur If it's very, very cloudy outside, sometimes a mamish in a storm, it looks like it's dark outside. You think there's no sun? The sun is there. There's nothing wrong with the sun. It's being blocked temporarily with thick clouds. And we have to say that just like Ibn Nachman Milechavich said that, we have to believe in ourselves. We have to believe in everyone around us, in every Jew in the world, no matter what they're doing, no matter what they're beha- how they're behaving. We have to be maimin that they're maminim. And even if we feel that their emunah is damaged, chas v'shalom, by their actions, by their activity, and even if they say, I'm an atheist, I don't believe, you should know, we have to believe, if they were put into that situation with the Sefer Torah, with the Nazis, they would also, even that atheist, they would, they would give their lives up for Hashem. But there's thick clouds, Thick clouds of gullos, thick clouds of pain, thick clouds that are blocking the Ur of Emunah to shine on that person. And that's how we mamash have to believe in our dar. If we don't believe this, we don't believe in Yiddish Kindalach, we're making a mistake. We have to take off our shoes because when we're talking about this Indian of Yiddish Kindalach and the Kayach of a Neshama, the Kayach of a Nefesh Lakai, a Chelek Lakai Mimau, mamish, 
We have to realize Ad Maskaidish, we're talking about something holy, not something dirty. The behavior is dirty. The external behavior is dirty. But that's only the external behavior, but inside the black box that Kosta de Chiyusa of the Amuna is as strong as all of ours as the greatest tzaddik, because that's who we are. Vahatam. He explains Mipnei. Because the oil of emunah, the light of emunah, real faith is mushreshes in the DNA, ingrained in us, in every Jew, from all of the dairis, all of the mesiras nefesh of every generation is in us. Like what HaKadosh Baruch Hu told Moshe, Bonai, Maminim b'nei maminim hey, My children, they are maminim b'nei maminim. Ve'ezkolze, this whole message is what Hashem showed Moshe Rabbeinu with that snap. She'b'pnimi yisnafshem shel Yisrael kayom koyach ha'amunah. That even though there's a snap bayer ba'esh, even though they're going to the clubs and they're doing all this stuff, you should know that's only on the exterior. But it's snap bayer ba'esh ve'asneh einenu uko. They have inside the Kusta de Chiyusa that from deep inside of there, from that place, they have the power to be redeemed from Mitzrayim.